Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First, Dave the Alcatron Vader. How are you, buddy? I'm really glad you asked that question, because I have a very important answer, and that answer is, how I'm doing is irrelevant. Please ask the next host. I need to hear from Liam. Yes, I think we all do. Next up, welcome back, Liam. You're gone for far too long. How you been? I am doing fantastic. I got back from an amazing trip and immediately got right to work on wrapping up my school work. <laughs> um, you know, I was always... Were you able to like not think about work and school while you I, were gone? Or I was. was. It... I did this amazing thing that I recommend uh, to people is I, I took everything that was important and relevant and wrote detailed notes and just left the notebook at home. And when I came back, I basically studied my life from two weeks prior. Um, and man, was it, was it, you, go. you know, stress inducing studying my life from two weeks prior. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I imagine. So for those that don't know, Liam was, uh, was in Ireland tying some knots, huh? Congrats yeah, on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I'm so you, excited. Thank you. Pictures were amazing. Very jealous. Definitely good time. Yeah. Definitely good time. Um, you, you you don't have a fiance anymore. No, I do not. That's correct. I do not. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now, was that whole thing? I know you're gone for for two weeks total. Did that include the wedding and honeymoon, or is the honeymoon different? Or what's that what's was, your honeymoon plans? That, that was wedding and honeymoon for the total two weeks. Yep. Okay. Cool. 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 But yeah. No. Um. I'm I'm back. Uh. Got got right to work got my school stuff done i will be submitting my projects uh tomorrow which if you want to learn more about that you will hear it briefly in the pre-show yep yeah so after tomorrow i've got one homework assignment one presentation one exit interview and i'm done you're done and i'm so you're excited summer break right <laughs> yeah nice Awesome. Well, it sounds good. It's good to have you back. I know everybody missed you, I, but we were. Uh, I am glad to be back. Everybody that follows you in the Discord or on Twitter, we're we're looking forward to your pictures and stuff. So it was good times. We had some, some like uh, like you said, some temporary Liam's fill in in your stead, which was very nice. Very nice of them. But it's good to have the OG Liam back. I agree. I'm also super excited to have you back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. I think we can uh, move into some housekeeping before we get to the main topic for the episode. As always, if you like the show and like what we're doing here, check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash the PDH pod. By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show like Liam uh, mentioned just a minute ago, which is basically, I mean, just about it's like a like a bonus episode every week. I think this week was about 45 to 50 minutes long. Uh, you get early access to the episodes before they go live. You get access to the show notes where you can kind of follow along with what we're talking about. And then you also get access to the PDH pod discord where you can chat with the crew, get help with your decks, all that kind of good stuff. Have a really good conversation with everybody and see see cute dog pics and cute pet pics and all that good stuff. Check out the YouTube channel or the PDH pod over there as well. And then uh, come by and check us out on Saturday evenings where we're streaming some paper PDH over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the PDH pod. So that's it for housekeeping. Did we want to do some This Week in Magic or just uh, hop right into the main topic? 
there is nothing positive about this week in Magic, so we're just going to go straight into the talk. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about. So, unless unless you have anything, Dave. I got a mouthful of ramen. You probably don't want to hear about that. <laughs> that's, pro- that's probably the best <laughs> I, news that Magic's had all But week. I did remember to unmute my mic before I told you about that, the mouthful of ramen this time, <laughs> instead of just sort of, like, talking without anyone being able to hear me. That was classic. After about two and a half seconds, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I think he's muted. I was afraid. I was afraid my internet died again, and like Discord was, you know, having it's a fit. And then I, and then Brad was like, "Is he still there?" I was like, "Oh, good, it's not me." <laughs> I mean, what's important about this situation is that this ramen is delicious. Oh that, yeah, ramen. Ramen trumps any sort of technical difficulties. That's uh, that's all I got for this week in Magic. This ramen is high quality. Sounds good to me. All right, let's jump on into the main topic here. This week, we're welcoming Liam back into the fold by doing another 3x3 three three episode, patent pending on that name. We actually, we've had this 3x3 three three scheduled for a while for this particular week, but we wanted to do something a little slanted more towards the competitive side of the format. So we tossed around some ideas and we finally landed on doing uh, an episode about partners and backgrounds. So for the sake of complete transparency, we talked about this in the pre-show, all three of us are referencing decks that have already been established and optimized by by uh, well-known by, PDH players. By other people. <laughs> <laughs> people who are not yeah, by other the people. three of us. Uh, exactly. I feel like if we had put a little bit more forethought into this, we could have just had these people on the show and let them tell us about their decks. But like, we kind of oh, crap. We kind of realized this like about ten seconds ago, <laughs> and we were like, uh, yep. <laughs> "This is fine. We probably know enough about it's magic fine. to talk about other people's decks. Let's. Uh, yeah, what could we'll, possibly we'll go wrong?" With it. <laughs> so remember um that is correct if you want to send us uh you know death threats letter bombs hate mail uh join the mm-hmm. patreon first and that way yes. you get the address Sign up for patreon yes. yep you can hear the pre-show where we talk about all that yeah. fun stuff we'll make you a whole channel yeah yeah yep, yep, yep. all right we'll make you a just, whole channel. Uh, we'll, we'll be name just it for you so patron threats or something yeah if we uh yeah. If 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 you are the author of one of these decks and we butcher it, uh, that's that's the recourse. Step one, join Patreon. Yeah. Step two, come yell at us. Then you can just uh, yeah. verbally bash yeah. us. Yeah. That's how it, yeah. that's how it goes. All right. Well, the approach to this one's going to be a little bit different than our normal three by three, but uh, some things never change. Like you know, pillars three and four; those are always going to be there. They're never going anywhere. But Dave, my friend, do you want to tell everyone how pillars one and two have changed, I, at least for this episode? I would love to. We uh, we all spent a while trying to figure out how we were going to structure a three by three when our decks have no thematic or mechanical overlap, except that they all happen to have partners. Because all, all the decks that we each brought are very, very different in in flavor and objective and everything, so we eventually decided that we would each have our own completely separate pillar one. One mm-hmm. of us is one of us has a pillar one about you know accumulating value. One of us has a pillar one about just pressing the gas really hard with like cinder blocks. One of us has a pillar one about I don't know some sort of simic nonsense. Who even? <laughs> Who I knows? don't know. <laughs> I don't understand how this deck works. Um, right. But then. I thought at first that we were all going to do this, uh, we were also going to do a Pillar 2 that was different for each person. And I was like, no, everyone's Pillar 2 is protect the game plan. So Pillar 1 is, yeah. mm-hmm. what is the game plan? Pillar 2 is, how do we protect the game plan? How do we make sure that the the our decks continue to do what we want them to do, despite interaction or interruption or control or disruption? And then, yes. as always, Pillar 3 is, how do you not run out of gas? And Pillar 4 is, how do you not die? The most popular pillars. They show up all over the place. 
I feel like I feel like we should get new pillows at some point. Uh, yeah, we can have new pillars. Um, <laughs> you have to come up with uh. So the tell you what, next time we do a really silly three by three like the Christmas episode, you can make up all the pillars. <laughs> you 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 did a terrific job with the 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 pillars for the last Christmas episode. They're like caroling. <laughs> Like gathering around the yeah. fire. Yeah, that was like, very creative. That was yes. that was yes. outstanding. Next, yeah, next yeah, time we do a, a holiday flavored three by three, pillars are all yours. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. Well, you know what we didn't necessarily go over is how we want to introduce these decks. Uh, that's a good question. What the other thing we haven't talked about? Which one of us has the Yargle? <laughs> oh yeah, is there a, I, a Yargle and who has I it? I kind of feel like I don't know if there is a Yargle. I was I was gonna say Brad. I think Brad's deck is the the most dissimilar from our decks. I, I, probably, yeah. it's either Brad or Liam. Oh wow, it's it's one of us. Being, being the Yargle so is both an honor and a burden. So I, I I tell you what, I will. I, don't, I I for sure I have the most vanilla flavored deck. I think I should go first. Sure. And then okay. I've got uh, it, right. Hmm? So so the episode title is is this is this is a professional podcasting folks. This is a good lesson right here. The episode title is is the the walking title, yes. right? It's three by three partners. I, I don't know what it'll be on Spotify or whatever, but Brad uh, makes all that stuff creative and, and awesome. But we had a brief discussion that were we even going to include a background because they're not technically partners, right? They don't say partners. You still have two things in the command zone, but they're not both right. creatures, yeah. and they don't say. So I think I yeah. think the background one is the yoga strictly because it's background yeah. and not partners. Okay, that's we're rolling with that's it. That's exactly what I was thinking. All right, Brad. So I, I think I yep. think so. It's just a tenuous connection yes. because it has two exactly. cards in the I think command. There zone. is. There's a case to be made that Brad's deck is the Yargle. There's a case to be made that Liam's deck is the Yargle, and I can make that case after he introduces his deck. But uh, my deck is definitely for sure not the Yargle, so I would like to introduce my deck first, and then we can argue about... Yeah, your deck is one of the more prominent partner, yeah, powerful it's, partner uh, decks. It's pretty quintessential. It's um, I'm just going to tell you what it is. You should. I, today, am going to be talking to you about Toast. Toast is shorthand for the background or the, the partner pair Tormod and Ghost. So we have uh, Tormod the Desecrator is a mm -hmm. four mana black four two zombie with uh, any time one or more cards leaves your graveyard, you get to create a tapped two two zombie. And Ghost, the ghost of uh, Ramirez de Pietro, is a three mana two three pirate ghost with a really bizarre form of evasion yeah and more importantly the ability that whenever he connects with a player whenever he deals combat damage to a player you get to take you get to choose a card from your graveyard from tar that from a graveyard from a graveyard mm -hmm. okay well you choose your own right <laughs> you, choose, you choose a card from your own graveyard that you have either milled or discarded this turn and you get to put that card back into your hand. Mm -hmm. So if it if it ended up in the graveyard from your hand or from the library, if it ended up in the graveyard from play or from exile, if it got processed by an Eldrazi oh, or, or oh, from processed. the stack, none of that. But if it got into your graveyard from your hand or from your library, yep. then Ghost of Remirrors Di Pietro will put it back into your hand, which is kind of crazy like thematically it's super fun that these two creatures work together so well like the ghost is going to give you this engine 
for putting cards for taking cards out of your graveyard and putting them back into your hand where you can use them again. Yep. That's a pretty good value engine by itself. And then Tormod is just going to sit there and make a zombie every time you do that. Yeah. Or every time you do anything else with your graveyard. So the value accumulation here is going to get out of control pretty quickly. Well, I guess I should say it's not quick. Uh, not compared to some <laughs> of the other decks we have here. But it's very inexorable and it's very relentless yeah it's, it is uh, it feels when you're playing against that deck it feels a lot faster than it into, than it actually is just because yeah. it's so like effective at what it does so brutal yes it's very determined yeah there I you guess. go so yeah that is the the deck that i'm bringing you i i have when when these cards came out i built my own tormod and ghost deck i didn't realize at the time that it was going to become a crazy powerful cpdh like you know, flagship. Uh, so I just built my my toast deck as uh, zombie tribal. Mm -hmm. I was running, you know, nonsense like Shepherd of Rot and Vengeful Dead, just zombie tribal cards because yeah. so many of them already do the unearth thing. Turns out that deck wasn't good, and <laughs> also didn't. I didn't really like the part where like everyone saw the commanders. Like after after Crash really popularized the deck as a competitive deck, people mm -hmm. would see my commanders and they'd be like, "Oh, you're the threat." Let's Kill you, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> like this is okay. No, that's fair. All right. So I ended up taking my deck apart. I don't update my list anymore. Uh, I'm going to talk be talking to you today mostly about Crash's list, which is uh, a masterclass in control mm -hmm. and it really is value and engine and grinding. Uh, but before that, I want brad and or liam to tell you about what they brought to the table today so i have brought the infamous weaver sisters uh lay weaver and lore weaver the brewers deck who i have chosen to exemplify in today's episode is yalaron yalaron's lay and lore weaver deck is what i will be talking about this is a popular simic deck that focuses on combo as its main win con. In fact, I don't think there's a card in the deck that doesn't forward the combo in some way or another. Mm -hmm. This deck, I'll go ahead and go over Lei and Loiver, I guess. They both cost four mana, uh, three and a color. Lei is green, Loi is blue. They are two twos. They partner with each other. So if you want to play them as partners, you have to play them specifically together. You can't, like, partner Lay Weaver with Rograk or something. I, I guess if you really wanted, you could play them by themselves, but that seems kind of pointless. <laughs> so, Lay Weaver, 4-mana 2-2 Human Druid, uh, you can tap it to untap two target lands. Loyal Weaver, 4-mana 2-2 Human Wizard, you can pay 5 blue-blue to have a target player draw two cards. And notably, these are from Battle Bond, so they the t two target lands and target player like that's anybody, any lands on the battlefield, any player at the table. Yes, like, theoretically, in in Dave's original eyes, it was a, they they were group <laughs> hug partners. <laughs> as soon as Battle Bond came out, I built the Lay and Lore Weaver deck as group hug. This is, this is my second story of me just building one of these decks as like a stupid idiot casual deck and then just realizing that it was <laughs> awful and I hated it and I took it apart. <laughs> I did build Lauren Wayweaver as a as a casual like group hug deck. I, I had visions of untapping other people's lands if they were mana screwed <laughs> and like drawing other people cards if they were, you know, stuck on something. Yeah. But my deck just yeah. comboed on accident. It was 
awesome. Speaking of combo, this is this is an infinite mana combo deck. It seeks to generate uh, infinite mana, in particular infinite blue, and take advantage of Lua Weaver to essentially mill out your opponents. Because Lua Weaver can target any player, not just yourself. And and yeah, right. so this this Simic deck is not unlike other Simic combo decks, like uh, Tatiova or Parcel Beast. They certainly have their differences, and they certainly have their uh, ways about going around the, the game plan. But in the end, they all tend to generate infinite mm-hmm. mana, in, in in particular infinite blue, to win with some combo line. So what about you, Brad? Who'd you bring? I brought, I guess we declared it the Yargle of the week. I brought uh, Gut, True Soul, Zealot, and Inspiring Leader as the background. This... Brad, those don't have partner. I know, that's why I'm the Yargle. That's why oh, I've okay. been given the moniker of the week. I think that's the second 3x3 three three in a row where I've become the Yargle. This is the, the crown is getting heavy. I need to pass it on to someone soon. If you like aggro and you like competitive aggro, you should probably be playing this deck. I also picked, um, kind of like Dave, like you said, you built Toast as sort of zombie tribal back in the day. I built Gut, inspiring, I called it inspiring Gut, whatever, Gut Leader, however you want to phrase it. I built it not long after Commander Legends Baldur's Gate was released, and I built mine as a just a goblin token deck with... Like Koldotha Rebirth and Empty the Warrens and all the Goblin Token creation and all that silly stuff just to try to go as wide and as tall as possible. And then sort of like you with your toast zombies, I realized that it was real bad and I sort of gave up on it for a while. And then like two months later, everybody was playing it and it was the hottest aggro deck in the format and it still kind of is. So I tweaked, I've been slowly tweaking my Moxfield list, but I haven't really played it or touched it in paper a whole lot lately so but but it's a hell of fun deck i I love boros aggro this particular deck is made by uh, a duo actually it's made by Gatorbait tv and a aggro aaron i'll link um i'll link those down in in the show notes with all the deck lists and everything too so you'll be able to check them out it's it's a tournament ready deck it's very popular it's very competitive and it's never not going to be the aggro deck at any given table. Like some commanders we have, you know, someone plops them down. They're like, okay, you know, they can take those colors or that particular mechanic or that effect, a few different avenues, a few different routes, a few different game plans where gut and with inspiring leader specifically is, you know, what's coming at you. You just better react in time before it, it smashes you. So that's kind of what I like about Boros. That's what I like about this deck. And yeah, I guess we'll just go from there and see where it takes us. What do you think? Sounds, Sounds perfect. Sounds great. Uh, before we, before yeah. we get too far away from the introductions, I just mm-hmm. want to say, really weak argument as to why Liam might be the Yargle is uh, my deck is about the interaction between my two commanders. Mm-hmm. That's the engine. How they play together. Your deck, Brad... Yep, is really about the interaction between the two commanders, how they how they play together. One of them doesn't do anything. Literally nothing. Correct. You have to. You you you're you're all about having them both on once. Liam's deck is about using the green one to generate infinite mana, using the blue one's color identity right. to have a good deck that includes blue card. <laughs> I've never actually seen someone play the blue commander in a competitive game. Except to be See, the I was, mana sink. I was about to say that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I would flip it around. the The blue one is the win con. It's it's the the 
piece that wins the game, but the green one is replaceable. There's like 10 other versions of it in the deck. Yeah, that's actually, that's fair. But like, more than, much, much more than my deck or Brad's deck, your deck is about, it's not about how these two commanders work together. It's just sort of, they're <laughs> both there. And they, yeah. they don't need to interact in order for your deck to accomplish things. Right. So I think I think I like Brad being the Ogle more because uh, that thing's not a creature. It doesn't have partner. It doesn't have partner. It's not a creature. It's just a second card in the command zone. The working title of this episode is Partners, and he didn't even bring a partner. I know. Got a terrible podcaster. Yeah. Well, either that or you're a really good Ogle. One of the. One of the... <laughs> I'll take the latter. Okay. Well, good call. What do you think? You want to circle back around to Dave? You want to get to Pillar One here? Yeah, I would. I would love to tell you about Pillar One. So. Just again, real quick, all of us have very different Pillar 1s. Yeah. Pillar 1 is, what is the deck's game plan? What are you trying to do with this deck? And that's different for all of us. So my game plan, my, the Toast game plan is, Pillar 1 needs to be, how how do I accumulate value? Uh, how do I outvalue my opponents? And uh, with Toast, the thing that's just going to pour gasoline all over your fire is cards that have transmute. Remember that Ghost lets you pull back to your hand any card that you discarded or milled. And when you transmute something, you are discarding it. So, the the ideal play patterns that you want to be hitting every turn are transmute, muddle the mixture for Arcane Denial, attack with Ghost, put Arcane Denial, or put muddle the mixture back in your hand, and make a zombie. That is gross. <laughs> and then next turn... Transmute muddle the mixture for <laughs> I don't know counterspell, victim of night go for the throat mm -hmm. like whatever you want. Transmute muddle again for another just blown out power level control spell, and then put muddle the mixture back in your hand, and you just keep doing this until someone forces you mm -hmm. to cast muddle the mixture, and then it's gone, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I guess I'll start transmuting drift of phantasms oh. into oubliette, and then crypt rats. And then, Ugh. like, deep freeze. Like, the the train just does not stop is, is, is how you accumulate the value with these things. And every single time you get a zombie. Yeah, every single time. It is gross what this deck does. It's honestly, like, I, you know, mid-range is sort of the very broad category that falls in. Or I guess it's not really mid-range. It's a control. It's a, it's very solidly in the control side of things as mm -hmm. as a deck goes but like honestly it, it when you get down sort of when you zoom in further the flavor of control that this is is something that i like to call toolbox mm -hmm. which is something that you see very very rarely in pdh because a, a toolbox deck is a deck that is full of all different kinds of answers and ways to tutor for your answers yeah and it's funny and, that Sorry to cut you off, but in the in the yeah, show but... notes here, you have tortured existence here in, in your little deck dive, and in sixty card popper, tortured existence is my favorite toolbox deck. And you're yeah. right because it has the answers you need. You can find them, you can draw to them, you can interact with your graveyard, just kind of whatever you need at any given point in the game. Right, and I love it. I love toolbox decks. Yeah, yeah. the 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 whole point of a toolbox deck is that you have all of these answers somewhere in your deck. 
and that the rest of your deck is designed around making sure that you can find the answers. Mm -hmm. So making sure you have the tutors, making sure you have the graveyard recursion to get answers back if they're spent, just making sure that you always have the correct tool for the job, being able to find the correct tool. That's the idea of a toolbox deck. Right. And you, you see that very rarely in PDH because our tutor package is so limited and so uh, sparse. Yeah, but Toast and Tormod, or Toast Ghost and Tormod, really gets around that by letting you recycle these tutors over and over again Constantly. at the cost of getting a free creature every time. <laughs> here's the here's <laughs> so, the drawback: you get zombies. <laughs> right, the zombies are tapped. That's the drawback. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's nuts. But yeah, you the you can recycle these tutors over and over again so that you just always have the correct answer for the job, and that makes it a really really imposing control deck to try and fight through yeah and um, it doesn't say tormod doesn't say on your turn nope. like <laughs> you just make zombies when you have mana you, to do stuff yeah if you if you target your muddle with ghosts triggered ability and someone you know relic of progenitus is in response like you still get your zombie. <laughs> yeah like it's, the, zo the zombies happening no matter what yep so that's very cool uh, outside of the ways that these two commanders are going to interact with each other, like that's what what I've just described is very much what Ghost is bringing to the table and what Ghost is enabling for your deck. Uh, Tormod by himself is always just is also just going to be a powerhouse here. Mm -hmm. uh, any card with flashback or delve, which I mean, let's be honest, you were already running those cards, right? Like, let's 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 not pretend like you weren't going to put Treasure Cruise in your competitive <laughs> blue deck. Like, Treasure Cruise is already in the deck. Now it just makes a zombie also. Like, yeah. think twice, deep analysis, logic knot, they were already in your competitive blue deck. Yeah. But now they make zombies also. Coffin Purge, which is also in your competitive black decks, because it's uh, it just ruins so many strategies by mm -hmm. damaging graveyards. Uh, Coffin Purge can make two zombies if you target your own graveyard with it. So... <laughs> it's a good way to get multiple zombies. And like these zombies just add up really fast. Yeah. Like this is this is a demure competitive deck. There's no there's no infinite combos in it. Like there's only like six or seven creatures. And the plan is to kill people with the creatures. Just by utilizing Tormod's ability over and over again. Yeah, there's six actual creature cards in the deck, but at any given time you'll have 12 or 10 or you know, right. 15 20 <laughs> right it's so common to just be like oh it's my combat step i guess i'll attack you for 16 with zombies and yep. you're like what here they where come where did all of that come from <laughs> so that's the uh the toast plan that's the value accumulation that is our pillar one beautiful well said thank you what about the weavers what do they got for pillar one yeah so the weavers uh, for pillar one, the main way that we're going to try to win is with combos. Uh, it's it's Simic. What else did you really expect? And so for pillar right. one, the, what's the game plan is just having combo line redundancy. Uh, the two main combo wins are going to be freed from the real with any creature that taps for two or more mana and uh, Galvanic Alchemist, which uh, and any creature that taps Ooh. for four. Galvanic Alchemist is a uh, three-mana soulbound creature that gives both the, both of the creatures itself and the soulbounded one uh, two and a blue untap this creature. So that's why you need to produce four. You're spending mm -hmm. three to untap the tapper. Now, 
you might be saying, like, where the heck am I going to get a creature that taps for two mana, let alone one that taps for four at common? Um, well, the trick for that is that we're actually not tapping the creatures for mana. Uh, we're tapping lands for mana. The creatures untap lands. The lands are enchanted. So you play those land auras that say whenever you, this land taps for mana, add an additional one, or uh, this land taps for, you know, two mana, right? And you play those on your lands, mm -hmm. you play the dudes that untap the enchanted lands, and you just profit. No question marks here, you're just straight up profiting with the mana. Right? You tap tap your land to produce two or three mana, tap your dude that untaps the land, produce another two or three mana pretty straightforward right and that's where galvanic alchemist and freed from the real come in is is these cards allow you to untap the creature that is now tapped that taps that untaps the lands i hope that made sense it did okay. it did it, it did okay. yeah it, it did i it's one of those combo the decks that i don't know that i could successfully like I, I don't think i could play it successfully i would have to play it like Dave's original build of it to where I just sort of play like this simicky do stuff deck and I'd have to fall into a combo without knowing yeah. it. Because <laughs> um, there's a lot, like literally and figuratively, there's a lot of moving parts to this deck. Yeah, and it, it's, it's not as bad as Parcel Beast, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. The thing about the two infinite mana combos is they both produce infinite mana. Uh, we are looking for infinite blue because we want to be able to activate Lore Weaver, which has a double blue cost. And you double cost doesn't mean anything when you're producing infinite, but you want at least infinite blue. In the deck, uh, we're you know, running pretty much all of the enchant land cards. I think we have like 15 or so at this point. Uh, the deck only runs about the 10 to 12 best ones, and we're getting better and better ones every single set. And yeah, we're also running a decent chunk of the uh, tap to untap a thing creature base. Uh, there's easily two to three dozen of those by now in Magic, most of which are pretty bad costing three or four mana to cast themselves and or and or they have a limited range of things that they are allowed to untap and so we have to be pretty selective with which ones we're allowing in this deck but yeah that's sure. you know combo Makes line sense. redundancy we're looking for a bunch of creatures that can untap lands a bunch of land auras and profit with our commanders pretty straightforward yeah and like you said, I don't remember if it was in the episode or in the pre-show. You said you were looking at the at Yolaran's list, and you said, "Wow, every single card in this deck points towards getting that combo." Yeah, there's not a single slot in this deck that's wasted. Yep, that's beautiful. The thing that I want to add about these particular combo lines is the thing that makes them so uh, threatening is that before you combo, they are mana fountains. Yeah, yeah, like. Without freed from the real getting involved at all, if you have, you know, if you have wild growth on a land <laughs> and like, you know, market festival on another land, then your lay weaver is effectively tapping for like six mana. Oh, it's gross. Yeah. It's, you know, like we, I play Urgolem's Eye and Sisse's Ring in a lot of PDH decks because I like having a four mana permanent that gets me two mana. Yep. That is that is Lay Weaver's default, right? <laughs> and like every every That's land or you put scenario. on it is just extra gas on this thing. Like yeah. it is not uncommon for Lay Weaver to just tap to 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 give you four or five mana at once. And like if you're that ahead on the mana game, like it's it becomes so difficult for anyone to like Do try and anything. beat you in a counterspell war. Yeah, you know the toast deck at the table might have six counterspells in his hand because it's been transmuting muddle the mixture over and over again forever, but 
probably only has like two or three mana up. Like it's only going to get to deploy two of those. You're going to have 18 mana available. <laughs> You'd be like, uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do this. Excellent, excellent. Sounds like a very powerful combo deck. I've lost two the Weavers before, but it was a dedicated, um, I guess it kind of is anyway, but it was more of a dedicated Turbo Fog deck where it was just, mm, I'm going to fog yep. every combat and make you draw your whole deck and you lose. <laughs> yep. So that's one thing you can do with it, I guess. All right. Well, Dave, um, you had a pretty good explanation of, of Toast. You went into some nice detail. What I discovered about Gut Inspiring Leader is, did you know that Dictionary.com describes the word maul as to injure by a rough beating, shoving, or the like, to be mauled by an angry crowd? That's what Gut Inspiring Leader wants to do. It wants to maul the entire <laughs> table with angry, menacing skeletons <laughs> as quickly as possible. There are no... There's no hidden lines of play here. There's no trickery. This is a Boros deck, so at most you'll get some pyroblasts or red elemental blasts in your deck you know for those for those pesky combo decks but that's it your your game plan is fairly telegraphed from the moment your opponents see your commanders and your background so you're not sneaking anything by them you're just hoping that the menace comes in very handy and that's all you're trying to do at like i said it is the premier aggro deck in the format at this moment all you're really trying to do is get gut down on the battlefield as early as possible load your battlefield with high value good etb creatures some mana rocks that you can sacrifice the gut and then just just go to town that that's really all there is to it at its heart it is a straight up aggressive deck there are times it can pivot to be the mid-range deck if that's what the table needs if that's what you have to do to win but at its heart it is just straight up uh, gigantic creatures beat you in the face and I guess I didn't uh, go over the cards, too. I should probably do that, just in case someone doesn't know what they are. Gut, they both came from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Excellent set for the for our format. Gut, True Soul Zealot, is a 3-mana 2-2 two, two Goblin Shaman. And it says, whenever you attack, you may sacrifice another creature or an artifact. If you do, create a 4-1 Black Skeleton creature with Menace that is tapped and attacking. Whew. And then you get to choose a background. And the background is Inspiring Leader, also with three mana. This is a legendary enchantment, enchantment background. Commander creatures you own have creature tokens you control get plus two, plus two. So Gut is making six threes for nothing. You know, Dave's deck is making a bunch of free zombies. I'm making free skeletons. Like, we're just going to town here, and it's absolutely a blast. Wait, wait, wait. I'm making... I'm making zombies that come into play tapped not attacking and are two twos. You're making skeletons that come into play attacking, attacking. at six three with menace? How is this fair? <laughs> well to be fair, I can only make one skeleton per turn. If that, if uh, that feels that better. Fair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's down, all I got. It's a straight up Downshift deck. Downshift aggravated assault when wizards. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it right now. <laughs> What could possibly go wrong? Right. So yeah, it's basically just a uh, straight-up Boros aggro deck, and I am absolutely here for it. Pretty straightforward. What do you got for Pillar 2, Dave? I have... How are you going to uh, protect the toast? I have a problem. Uh-oh. And the problem is, like I said, this deck's eventual win plan is to just beat people to death with, like, 27 zombies. Mm -hmm. But 
Tormod has two toughness. He dies to bolt. Yeah. Dies he to dies shock. to shock. <laughs> he dies to he dies to Evancar's justice. He's it's oh a, gross. Yeah. Yep. Everything about this is uh, upsetting. So it is troubling. Uh, this whole plan. The whole plan wherein I win a game by beating people to death with 27 zombies. This plan hinges on a couple really important elements that are honestly a bit more fragile than they look. Uh, You need both of your commanders to not eat murders or lightning bolts. Yes. Uh, You need Ghost to get through in combat. Like, he does have a weird kind of pseudo-evasion. His evasion is basically just like he can't be blocked by creatures that he wouldn't normally kill. Yeah. They have to have... Mm -hmm. They have to have toughness less than three, and he has two powers. So, like, that's I think that's the thing. Like, he, he can only be blocked by creatures that he would normally kill. Yeah. Like, it's really weird. But still, uh, that's not always guaranteed. He has to get through in combat. And you need your graveyard to not get murked by uh, gay rocks or relic of progenitus or rotten reunions or th- things that damage graveyards. Yeah. Which is quite a bit nowadays. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Uh, so... In order to ensure that our plan can continue unimpeded, we have one very simple technique, and that is <laughs> counterspell everything all the time without ever stopping. That is fantastic uh, that is and a fantastic effective. rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. effective. I mean, when when you can transmute muddle into counterspell and then arcane denial and then logic knot and then negate and like. How many counterspells are you running? Like, I guess eventually you'll run out of them, but you you basically get a free one every single turn. And if you don't need the counterspell, like if the thing that is causing you problems right now is a resolved gut or a resolved blocker for your ghost, mm-hmm. like you can just transmute your things into oubliettes and yeah. frogifies and go for the throats and victim of knights. Like, yeah, counterspells for days with twelve A's. Yes, counterspells. Counterspells and removal for days. That's like that's the whole plan. And it does it surprise. Like, I don't know if anyone's anyone listening to this has played the deck or played against it. If you have not done either one, it it can be intimidating and it can sound kind of slowish and grindy. But when you're facing down this deck, you're like, oh my god, it does not stop. Like, yeah. <laughs> why do I bother casting anything? It's just gonna get <laughs> countered. <laughs> it does not cease to transpire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for uh, for Pillar 2. I'm going to protect my game plan with counter spells. I feel like the Simic deck is going to do something similar. What do you got, Liam? What? what? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah what? Simic doing Simic, Simic doing Simic things? Um, yeah, I've, I've got I've got three brief sentences, statements even, uh, five words. Looks like five words. Um, after I get past the statement of it's Simic, <laughs> what yeah. do you expect? So one counter spells, two hexproof spells, three easy money. I like it's, easy money. That's it. Beautiful counter spells, hexproof spells, easy money. Um, yeah, what do, what do I mean by easy money? I just mean it. You know, counter spells and hexproof spells protect the combo pieces. This, this deck doesn't do a lot of creatures um, outside of the combo, which means we're not doing a lot of blocking either. There's there's not much. It's enchant your lands, get a land untapper in play, get one of your combo pieces freed or alchemist, and 
you know, go to town, win the game. <laughs> it's, it's not rocket science. Yeah, that seems pretty straightforward. <laughs> The best hex proofers here are um, Tamiyo's Safekeeping, because that can protect your lands. Uh, if you're mm, trying to combo, yeah. yeah. If you're trying yep. to uh, combo with Lay and Water Weavers in a competitive game, someone is going to try to boomerang your aura enchanted lands, yeah. or they'll just cleansing wildfire. Or they'll just yeah, they'll just smash it. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, being able to like protect the lands with Tamiyo's Safekeeping is huge. Uh, the other massive powerful one is Vines of Vastwood because that, mm. it doesn't use the word hexproof. The key difference mm -hmm. between what Vines does and hexproof is that if you target an opponent's creature with Vines of Vastwood, then that opponent cannot target it with their own spells. Yep, because it can no which longer means... be the target of opponent's spells or abilities. Yeah. <laughs> which means that it's a response to your opponent trying to cast freed from the real on their own thing that's so hilarious uh, it's really good yeah yep i feel like that particular interaction with vines of vastwood is like one of those uh level up moments for a lot of magic players like mm -hmm. when i first learned about it, i was like oh you know oh the gates opened up and i could do so much you know so much more with the with that card and the deck it was in at the time and yada 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 because you just don't it's <laughs> not super intuitive at first but once you realize that, yeah, it is crazy powerful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I also really like the the new mom card, Cyber Cryptomancer. Cyber Crypto, yeah. I, I printed the, up the, printed up one ahead of time to put in my OG deck. Yeah. Until I get the, the, an actual copy. The hexproof and the backup together. Yeah. And then it just leaves behind a blocker that you can use. You can just throw that under some skeleton that's yeah. coming for yeah, your head. Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> yeah. Powerful magic. Yeah, it is powerful. Flash, mm, God, so good. Cool. Well, Simic doing Simic stuff for Easy Monday. I like it. Yeah. Oh, I think gut for Pillar Two. Probably gonna take a little more, a little bit more work. You can't just say Boros doing Boros things. Like it just doesn't work that way. So we have to protect the mauling here. <laughs> this deck, the, the the tournament version of this deck, is a little <clears throat> a little light on mana, if you will. So we're not going to be able to run some of the, the, the big red spells, the big <laughs> white spells, even the big artifacts. So cheap protection from spot removal for gut specifically is key here. Like Emerge Unscathed, uh, the new Angelic Intervention from Mom, very good card. Uh, Benevolent Bodyguard is awesome because if you find, you know, if you get in a spot where you don't need to sacrifice it to save gut you can sacrifice it to make a skeleton which is awesome mm -hmm. uh the adventure the bodyguards have... have skeletons inside of them yes they do uh, it, it's the a... biology checks out yeah I, who we're getting lessons all over the place look at that <laughs> the adventure half of hippogriff works great it's one mana awesome but ideally ultimately protecting gut is paramount in playing this deck and it kind of is with all of our background commanders because like you sort of alluded to before if you're choose a background commander, gut in this case, constantly dies or is just stuck in the command zone, that background is doing nothing. It is just a piece of cardboard on your table or in your command zone, and it's just it's just a wasted card at that point. So you have to protect gut to get inspiring leader to do anything. Um, but if you can get gut on board, keep her protected. That's the key. That's how you're going to win. The deck also runs a small suite of the white fogs that you've come to love and you know you're used to. 
<clears throat> we got to protect all those skellies from combat and sweepers. Granted, they do have three toughness, but pestilence is a thing. You know, I've seen breath weapon and cannonade cast in the same turn. Like those things happen and your skeletons will die from it. Or even before, if you've got skeletons before leader can get on the board, they die to literally everything. So we have things the, like, what's that? The thing, the thing you have to be really careful about with, uh, especially breath weapon and fire cannonade is, uh, your six, three skeletons absolutely will die to a, a breath weapon because it'll kill gut. And then your inspiring leader thing goes away because gut is gone mm, yeah and then you have a bunch point, of four one skeletons with two damage marked on them and then they die yep good so point. uh on un, un uninteracted with breath weapon kills all the skeletons even yep. though there's six but a single like you know emerge unscathed protecting gut can save your whole board right exactly yep that's a very good point i hadn't even thought about it like that so that that's that's really good to keep in mind but other than that, you know, Emergence Gate is huge here. Uh, if you want to run an Apostle's Blessing, I wouldn't blame you. That card's excellent as well. And then your standard, like, Prismatic Strands, Kamiya False Hope, all that sort of stuff that sort of delays combat or avoids a huge crackback if you're trying to kill someone and it, and it didn't go through. So the key to protecting the game plan is literally gut is the game plan. You have to protect gut at all costs. And eventually you're going to run out of protection spells, so you've got to do it as fast as you possibly can. And that sounds like an aggressive deck to me. So I think we can move on to Pillar 3. What do you got, Dave? How are you going to gas up your ghost? The ghost is nothing but gas. <laughs> well, that's easy enough. I don't have to do anything. I just I turn the ghost sideways, and the, the gas just fills up. The, it just it's, fills up. <laughs> Have you seen that the movie Zoolander, uh -huh. where there's a scene in it where they're having a gasoline fight? Yeah, that's the that's the ghost <laughs> all day, every day, just spraying gasoline everywhere, not caring where uh, it goes. Yeah, yep. like he's already dead. He can't. He's immune to explosions. It's fine. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So uh, if you can get the transmute loops online, ghost is gonna just deliver gas all day, every day. If you don't have the transmute card readily available, you can, like, I think probably, like, six lands in the deck that cycle. You can just cycle a land into your graveyard and then get it back with Ghost and then just be generating value that way. Yeah. Or card mm -hmm. advantage that way. Um, there's also cards like... Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the cards that will let you... They'll, they'll give you card selection. Something like, you know, look at the top four cards of your deck, put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. Ghost can get back the cards that you put into your graveyard, like, because they went to the graveyard from your library. It doesn't say the word mill. Right. But they are going to your graveyard from your library. So things like Forbidden Alchemy, Pieces of the Puzzle, uh, the new one in Mom, uh, Moment of Truth. Mm, yeah, uh, that's These a good are cards one. that will put, though, I mean, in addition to just putting cards into your hand. Like, they're great card selection anyway. And also, they give you an extra card off of Ghost's Trigger. So, uh, tons and tons of ways that you can just generate this advantage all day long. Uh, and, I mean, we've already talked about Deep Analysis, Think Twice, and Treasure Cruise. And, like, we talked about them in the context of how when you play them, you just get free bodies. Mm -hmm. 
but they also draw you cards. Right. Like, <laughs> so, uh, if you can get the ghost online and keep him online, you're you'll never run out of gas ever again. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Sounds like a good, uh, like you said earlier, a good toolbox deck. Oh, Simic time. Simic usually has a lot of gas. What are you doing about that, Liam? <laughs> um, I'm doing a lot of similar things to what Dave is doing. Uh, just a different selection of those things. So, uh, as as Dave's deck was looking to use a blue for a lot of the card selection, card draw, uh, but more so focusing on the spells that interact with the graveyard in some way, I'm doing a lot of the cheaper card draw and selection, not really caring if we have to discard things, because we really are just looking to assemble the combo as fast as possible. In addition to that, tutors help get to combo pieces quickly and easily. They kind of just act as additional copies of the combo pieces. And uh, as I previously stated, the goal is really to just assemble the combo as quickly as possible. The green portion of the deck gives us access to, uh, as previously mentioned as well, a, a, a lot of ramp and a lot of mana. They just become the, mm-hmm. the, the deck itself just becomes a fountain of mana. It becomes very difficult to interact because the Weaver's deck just has the most mana on the board so it, it they they tend to have all the answers at all the right times and yeah you know it's just utilizing the you know i don't even want to say like critical critical mass or, or the density i just like you know a third of the deck is card draw spells or selection spells you know it, if it if it's not a combo piece and it's not producing mana it's drawing yeah. cards yeah it's pretty light like it's got 10 creatures so you, literally just, everything deck, else is drawing you cards or getting <laughs> getting you closer to that combo finish. Yeah. Sorry, I was just looking at the deck. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I There's there's a reason they call it turbo combo. Yeah, it really and is. There's a reason that every time Layweaver hits the the field, it eats a lightning bolt <laughs> instantly. Instantly, like people, right? People know. Yep. Yeah. They know what's coming. And that's another one too like for me, I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not great at playing combo to begin with, so I'm definitely. I would definitely not be good at recovering from all the removal that would be targeted at my combo deck. Like, <laughs> I guess you just you just pray that your counter spells are going to show up on time. But, I mean, if you're making enough mana, the commander tax usually isn't an issue they after a while. Do. I guess. Well, it becomes an issue when the commander tax is on the commander that makes the mana. No, that that's um makes sense to me. That's how my deck works. So, uh, what about you, Brad? How's mm. gut? How's gut leader making? Uh, or, gassing or up the skeletons up to win. Well, again, I keep I keep referring to the fact that this is a Boros deck, and as such, it's going to have to rely on just straight up card draw. Like cantrip, the the deck is full of cantripping mana rocks, cantripping artifacts, cantripping creatures. But thankfully, they, they are all really, really cheap. Like, um, Thraben Inspector, that sort of thing. Spirited Companion is great. But most of what you'll be doing to sack to gut will be to put a card back in your hand. Like, Chromatic Star, if Gut's on the battlefield, it makes you a skeleton, it draws you a card. Icar Wellspring makes you a skeleton, draws you a card. Terrarian is the same thing. I am a huge fan of Core Skyfisher, particularly in Boros decks, because that's just where it seems to show up the most often. Um, but in decks like this, because you can pick up your Spirited Companion or you can pick up your Wellspring to cast it again uh, to get more value out of their ETB, and Core Skyfisher by itself is is a decent blocker. Granted, it's not going to 
likely not win you any games or save your life in a pinch, but it's a decent body for, for its mana cost. And then creatures that uh, create blood tokens on ETB. Those blood tokens are huge. You can sack them to gut to make skeletons. You can um, rummage away something if you need to, if you need to dig for an answer. The good thing about this Boros deck is it's very aggressive on its surface, but it is it's, it's packed with a lot of value. You don't often see this much value in a Boros deck. Usually Boros is like heroic or go wide or, you know, first strikers or soldiers or combat tricks, that sort of thing. This is very much sort of like your, your, the Yolaron's deck where every card in the deck is pointed at making that combo finish. Every card in this gut deck tries to replace itself with either a creature or draw you a card or find you a land, you know, uh, Ica Wellspring is amazing in this deck, but even, you know, to a lesser but still powerful extent, Mycosynth Wellspring can get you more lands because we're already light on land, so anything that can help us find more of those is absolutely great. Outside of just straight-up card drawing, you know, we've got a lot of artifacts and creatures that die into extra pieces of cardboard, basically, like Doom Traveler, uh, Beskar's Shieldmate, Garrison Cat, we mentioned earlier, or maybe on the pre-show, those die and make you another creature. Uh, Sacred Cat, Lunark Veteran, those are creatures that you can sack and then when and if you have the mana later, cast them out of your graveyard for, for more um, for more gut fodder or just if you need an extra body on the field. Uh, this is one of the very few Boros decks you'll find that can consistently turn two cards into three or four cards in your hand. Every time I've played against this deck, this particular... Actually, I don't think I've played against this particular tournament build, but every time I've played against a gut leader deck... I've never seen them hellbent. They've always got three cards in hand. They've always got four cards in hand. They're always doing something all the time. And even when they feel the threat of running out of cards, they're just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just, you know, I'm almost out of cards. All I have is land in my hand. I'm just going to cast this out of the graveyard, get a creature. I'm going to sack Icar Wellspring, draw another card. Like, there's always something to do. And it's always full of gas. And that's amazing. That's not something you often find in a Boros deck. And I, I, I totally love it. I absolutely love it. I'm a huge fan of that because it is just value on value while you're beating your opponent's faces in, basically. And I love it. I love all of that. I love every aspect of that. We appreciate the Berserker aggroness of it. It, it, it really is. <laughs> and the skeletons are black. Like It just feels great to run like a you know, pretend Mardu deck. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not the ideal Mardu deck. It is not the <laughs> ideal one, no, for sure. But uh, if that ever comes up, the skeletons are black, so keep that in mind. Um, I did want to mention, too, that because Gut just says choose a background, you can choose any of the backgrounds at Uncommon that you can put in your command zone from Baldur's Gate. I have either brewed with or played against every background available. Maybe not some of the common ones that we rule zeroed in or whatever, but I've seen I've seen gut paired with every uncommon background, and by far, hands down, not even close. Inspiring leader is the absolute best. Like you can do some shenanigans with um, the blue one. I already forgot its name because it's is it. You can do crazy stuff with that. I've seen it with cloakwood cloakwood hermit that makes squirrels, yada yada yada. But the uh, inspiring leader is absolutely absolutely the way to go. And that's all I got. Just a bunch of ber berserk tier skeletons. 
So now we got to figure out how we're going to stay alive while we're doing all this crazy stuff. What do you got, Dave? I have. Weirdly, this is very similar to Pillar 2. Pillar 2 was all about how I was going to counterspell everything I didn't like and then play control spells and removal spells on the other things that got <laughs> through the counterspells. Uh, Pillar 4 is the same. Uh, I'm still. That sounds like yeah, Demir, huh? Hasn't changed. Yeah. I'm still going to counterspell everything uh, that, that even looks at me funny. And uh, if something looks at me funny while I'm tapped out, I'm going to uh, go for the throat it. or You might as well. Ignite it. Yeah. yeah. It'd be weird uh, if you didn't. It would be a little weird. So one thing that I do want to mention about uh, Crash's list in specific here is that you know, Crash's is the one that I'm, I'm kind of basing a lot of this off of. It's the one that we're going to link. Uh, as far as I can tell, Crash's list is... is tuned and and uh, tuned very specifically for a a meta that is heavy on combos so this okay. this deck is designed to go into a pod with you know lay lore weaver and tatiova and maybe an is it guild mage or something and it's designed to to fight on that front uh crash's list i think is not tuned to stare down a gut or <laughs> uh real surreal or sure you know, any of the any of the very combat heavy mid range aggressive decks that are sort of popping up more recently, by which I mean we are currently not main decking Arms of Hadar or Eyeblight Massacre, which I think are fundamental cards in this deck because they will kill Gut, they will kill all of the skeletons, yeah. and there's nothing Gut can do to stop it. Yeah, Gut has a can have a decently hard time possibly game ending time trying to rebuild from stuff like that right and like you know unlike the breath weapons you know we said breath weapon unresponded to breath weapon will wipe out the whole board because it'll kill gut and then the skeletons but like you can save your whole board with a single protection spell there is no spell that will that gut can play that'll save it from uh eye bite massacre or an arms right. of Hadar. yep uh, well, i mean there are i guess i guess maybe gut starts sideboarding in things like I don't know, volatile claws so that they're all elves, I guess, or like solidarity so they all get plus O plus four. No, no, <laughs> Gut's not playing garbage like that. Gut just loses to Arms of Hadar. <laughs> uh, that's the play. I guess Arms of Hadar does target a player, so you could Dawn Charm it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, well, um, you know, there I is, think... I didn't mention it in my uh, my earlier uh, talk about the deck, but it does run things like rootborn defenses that'll give you indestructible stuff like that. But that will not stop Arms of Hadar. Oh God, you're right. Arms of Hadar is minus two, minus Shaista. two. Yes, indestructible. It is. Regenerate protection, it is. hexproof. All it is of negative, it can negative. Eat it is dirt. not damage. That's Arms right. of Hadar is going to punch right through that. I think the only reasonable card that stops Arms of Hadar, I think, is Dawn Charm. And the only vaguely sort of reasonable card that stops Eyeblight is uh, Volatile Claws. Which is probably worth running because it also stops, you know, Breath Weapon and Fiery yeah. Cannon. Sure. So That's fair. Uh, yeah, there's there's a case to be made for these cards. But, yeah, uh, yeah these cards I think are crucial in, in any black deck in the current, you know, aggro meta. Uh, I think that Crypt Rats and Pestilence are also outstanding in this deck. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, if nothing else, the, to... the Rats mm -hmm. and the Pestilence could could be a win condition yeah yeah you have to be a little careful with them because they'll they'll kill skeleton like if if you're bringing this deck into a combo meta where you're going to be staring down lane lore weavers and tetiovas and is it guild mages like you never need to kill a ton of creatures 
Yeah, that's fair. Like, your ideal fair, situation fair. is going to be your board has ten zombies, and your opponent's board has, like, one commander each. <laughs> and you're like, I would rather use spot removal at this point. Yeah. So, like, it makes sense that Crash's build isn't running these, like, massive board wipes, because they're going to they're gonna kill all his own zombies more than they're going to kill someone else's skeletons. Yeah, that's fair. But, yeah, I hadn't thought about it in, like that. In the broader meta... Or in maybe maybe broader is the wrong word for this. In a different meta that is more focused on guts and skeletons and aggro, I think you really want to have these board wipes because your skeletons, your your own zombies are super expendable. Yeah, even a maybe maybe even possibly like an unknown meta, just you know throw those in there. Yeah, or, or one I of the two or whatever. I think they're they're certainly not bad cards. Yeah, I I would I would run arms over eye blight because sure. mm-hmm. arms is a target player. So it'll spare your own zombies. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely, I would absolutely put arms in any black competitive deck based on the the prevalence of gut and other things. Sure. Right now, yeah. So that's how that's how I'm going to not die. Yeah, similar to how your gas, you but huh? I think that's yeah. typically <laughs> even if you look at like sixty card formats where their Demir decks are sort of toolboxy, sort of control decks. Like that's how they. Their pillar, you know, if you were to put a pillar three and four on a sixty card deck, their how to not run out of gas and how to not die would be the same in those two because that's just how they function as a deck. That's how they win. That's how they stay alive. That's right. how they they gain card advantage. It's the whole package. One of one of the really powerful things about this deck in particular is that so many of these things overlap. Yes, and like a lot of a lot of the more complicated, a lot of the more like convoluted and involved competitive decks have this weakness where like you need a lot of different things to come together a lot of different pieces like marsh crocodiles like this mm-hmm. you need a lot of different pieces to come together in order for the marsh crocodiles plan to really play out right and sometimes you end up in these games where like you just don't have the burglar rats or any of its equivalents in the whole game and you just don't make anyone discard anything and it's like why what what are you even doing here what 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 yeah. happened and by the time and you do like, draw well, one they've already established what they need to establish right. yeah and you're like and then you look at it and you're like, yeah, I guess there are only like nine of those cards in the deck. And it's, you know, it's not unreasonable that you go game without seeing any of them. So like this deck is not like this, this deck that all the, the different pillars are overlapping and intertwined, which means a lot of the different cards in the deck are going to be serving several of your pillars at once. Mm-hmm. And that's one of its big strengths. Yeah. That's like, definitely never going to be. Yeah. You're never going to be in the situation where you're like, oh, I have some of the pieces I need, but I don't have this other piece. It's like, no, you only have like, like if you if you categorize the pieces of this deck, it's just like control 50 cards, like <laughs> draw 10, uh-huh. lands 40. And you're like, okay, like, here we there go. it is. Shuffle up. <laughs> like, how, how am I going to miss one of these things? Like, yeah. Right. There's so a lot of decisions to make, but it is, yeah, yeah, it's a very good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just so, something yeah, I, I noticed too about uh, it's not specific to toast. I think that's just hmm. a, the qualities of a good Demir deck, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So now that we're sort of off that tangent, how do the Weavers stay alive, or how do you not die when you play the Weavers? The easiest way for the Weavers to die is through combat. Uh, this is a deck that as mentioned earlier, yep. runs 10 creatures, all of which are combo enablers or, or, or part of the combo. So we're not blocking. We're, we're blocking with our faces. Uh, so to not die, <laughs> we want to squeeze little bits of value out where you can. 
One of those examples is making incidental creatures. In March of the Machines, we just got Blighted Burgeoning, which is uh, one of those land auras that the deck is already playing, but it happens to make a 2-2 body. Another one of... That's huge is, for this deck, really I feel like. This deck. Uh, another card uh, came out, I want to say it was last year, but it might have been two years ago, in uh, the most recent Modern Horizons set. It was... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's called, I know it's called Evidence. It makes a it makes a O3 crab and investigates. So it kind of draws you a card, but it also makes you a blocker for Yeah, hard evidence. evidence. Thank you. Yeah, for, for a total of three mana, it makes you a blocker yep. and it draws you a card. Not a fantastic rate for cards, but fantastic for the card draw. Oh sorry, fantastic for the blocker. That card is called Craven Inspector. Craven Inspector. <laughs> <laughs> I need you I'm to sorry, pronounce Craven it. Craven Inspector. Brilliant. And then Craven Inspector. Craven. Yeah, the hard hard evidence are the words that are printed on top of it. Uh, let's not, that's, that's where the confusion let, was. Okay. Let's not make any mistake about what the name of the card is. <laughs> and then the other thing to not die is just slowing your opponents down with uh, effects like Lignify and Stasis Field. Uh, using these to either remove threats that are actively threatening your life total or stopping other combo pieces. Just shutting down other creatures on the board is the biggest thing to do because it's our biggest weakness. Uh, obviously... You know, counter spells and hexproof spells, you want to protect your own combo. But protecting your combo is part of not dying. So that's why it got its own pillar, but I didn't want to talk about it here too much. <laughs> totally fair. Yeah, no, it's 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 that simple. It's just Yeah. It makes sense you know, to me. With with newer designs, because there aren't that many, we want to squeeze out uh incidental creatures and stop the threats. Yeah, I like it. Sounds like a a decent foundation for for most yeah. simic decks, particularly yes. a combo deck. What about what about gut? How is a uh, leader gut not dying? <sighs> pillar four, how to not die? This is probably the most difficult pillar of all four of them to adhere to with the gut deck. <laughs> this is one of those decks where. Every time you recall a game, you're going to be like, oh, I died with two life left. Oh, I was within bolt range. Like, you're going to be in the single digits every time you play this deck because everyone will be gunning for you because they know how easily you can you can sort of squash them out. The Actually, I put a quote here in the show notes. This is taken directly from Gatorbait and Aaron's primer about the deck. It says, we are not the table police. We are typically the most aggressive deck at the table which puts us in the driver's seat to take out the combo decks by pressuring them. We need to be prepared to take out a player as soon as possible and move on to the next because handling three players is extremely difficult, but with our speed, it is possible. I think that's a really good way to do it, and that's pretty much what I had written in my version of the notes. The key to not dying with a with any gut deck, really, but particularly gut leader, is just well-timed protection like Prismatic Strands, Dawn Charm even, uh, being able to keep Gut alive. But most importantly, you have to try to go as fast as humanly possible, as fast as the game will allow you to go, as fast as the cards in your hand will allow you to go. So try to use that as your primary game plan until the control player says otherwise or until the other aggro player says otherwise. Until the table dictates otherwise, you are the... You know, Alcadron trademarked Berserk tier aggro deck at the table. Just try to outrace everyone. Failing that, you can fall back on being the mid range deck. You can use your resources to grind them out until you can swing in for huge amounts of damage. And then there are a couple cards in here like Reckless Abandon and Collateral Damage that'll get in for some damage. You know, whether it's face damage or you need to remove a couple key blockers, you know, your opponent's at three, you want to get them to zero, that sort of thing. 
all of these decks are the decks we're talking about today were written by very competitive very good players so i'm pretty sure they all came with like suggestions for particular metas you know like suture priest if you can keep it alive it'll shut down a combo deck uh, stave off will protect gut as well as shut down a combo from happening if it's a creature centric combo that sort of thing so kind of like toast had a couple pillars that overlapped this one does too but this one's more pillar two and four like protecting <laughs> protect the mauling is basically how you don't die like because if you successfully protect your skeletons and your gut you're going to be able to kill people before they kill you there's not a lot of protecting your own face unless it's prismatic strands your creatures are almost always going to be sideways so you don't have a lot going on to protect you from the crackbacks so you just have to be faster than everybody else i will say i, I don't know do you think i'm missing something dave i will say when or you're Liam? making six ones you tend to do be faster than everyone else oh sorry <laughs> four ones that turn into six threes six threes yeah uh-huh it's crazy did you guys know that there's a rule in magic where if you reduce someone's life total to zero all their creatures die i have i've heard that i have heard it doesn't come up often when i'm when i'm playing <laughs> but i've heard that that happens yeah that's uh i'm pretty sure that's most of guts control control strategy <laughs> it is just yeah. get them to zero it doesn't matter if you're at one whatever get them at zero but yeah, just like Hashtag winning. Like Liam was saying, you know, ideally for this deck, you're dropping gut on turn three, leaving up protection, and then you've already got one skeleton on turn three. You get another one on turn yeah. four. You know, you've got three skeletons by turn five, four skeletons by turn six, and they're all six threes. Like that should be enough to get one player out of the game. I mean, you're gonna take some damage, you're gonna take some heat for it, but then you can move on to the next one. And that's T it. Taking heat seems fine. Yeah. If you I'm... start with 30 life, that means 29 of it is a resource. That's a lot of heat. That's over two dozen you heats. Can, two dozen heats. You can, you can spend 29 life to kill three players. That seems like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I would write that check right now. Yeah. That's it. Pretty straightforward aggro. There's just a... What I like about the deck as a whole is there's... I, I I couldn't tell you what episode we talked about it, but I know Dave, you've mentioned it before, where you're like, yeah, this you know this Boros commander or this commander came out and it's a super aggro commander, and I played it three times and I got bored with it because it only does the same thing every single time. We have a yep. couple like that that are Boros specifically, and I can totally see that. But gut is way different because there's so many different play patterns that you're using your rocks differently each game, you're using your creatures differently each game, your skeletons like. All this sort of thing. You could, if you wanted to, you could build in an initiative package or a monarch package, that sort of thing. And it's, you're going to get good with this deck after a while. You're going to mm -hmm. understand it. And I think we talked about that in the pre show. Like, Gator Bait and Aaron's deck runs 32 lands. That is an, in my head, that is an absurdly low amount of lands for a deck like this. But I think a lot of that is the way they've built the deck and they've probably played it. 500 times a piece they understand how the deck functions what it needs to function in the first three or four turns what their opening hands should look like that sort of thing and i think with a deck like this it's not overly complicated but it's just involved enough to be always fun always different and always powerful and that's what i got about good i like it so were you a big toast player dave or is it something you sort of gave up on it after your zombie tribal tribal 
Yeah, I I kind of give up on it. I I still love the deck. I love seeing it work, mm-hmm. but it's uh. And I feel it's like it's a deck that... that I haven't seen in a while. Like it doesn't show up on the Saturday streams. We don't see it on the Monday streams. Like I don't know if people aren't playing it or if a lot of people have realized like I probably shouldn't take this to a not competitive pod. <laughs> my my impression is that Crash is still very high on the deck. He's he he still loves the deck. Okay, and I. I also still love the deck. I think if I, I I'm going to I'm going to be assuming a lot of people's motivations here and I could be wrong about sure. all of them. So we're podcasters that's what we do. Uh yeah. Uh so w- once again the protocol here is join the Patreon then send me hate mail. Yeah, we'll make you a channel um, if, just do it. Yeah. If I'm if I'm super wrong that's that's how that's that's <laughs> a grievance. A buck um, a month you can yell at us. How about that? It's all it takes. <laughs> uh <laughs> it's so easy. Uh, but yeah, that, what I what I am guessing is happening here is that uh, it is still very much alive and well and uh, and a, and a powerhouse in Crash's very combo heavy meta, and that it is probably I, I think it's seen as sort of like an established known quantity within the the common connoisseurs meta, and so many of them are so like crazy enthusiastic about experimentation and building their own thing and mm-hmm. trying to come up with whatever's new and testing un untested waters that playing around with this deck that has just been sitting on the top of Crash's tier list for like a year now is just not something that appeals to a lot of people. That makes but, sense. Uh, yeah. I know that for a while it was sort of one of the you know, when when people would show up in the home base and they'd be like, I want to make a PDH deck that I can take into EDH pods that'll stand up. Like it was one of the things that got mentioned every time. Oh wow! It's got the legendary commanders, yep. and it's got the answer. So, yeah, and uh, I know that, that deck alone is probably running more interaction and removal than the other three decks combined. <laughs> at an EDH pod, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you you definitely do just become the table police, and that's that's why it can stand up at, at EDH tables, I think. So, um, as my guess, my my read of the situation is that it is still very much alive and well, just like sort of for for a variety of reasons, you know, hanging out just outside the spotlight of modern of the current games situation. That makes sense. So it didn't really like because sometimes you'll have a powerful deck in any any given format, whether it's hundred cards, sixty card, doesn't matter. You'll have a really powerful deck, and then it'll just be sort of bullied out by new cards and power creep and better deck technologies and better brewing and better players, that sort of thing. Whereas, and then sometimes you'll just have a deck that's just always good. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it sounds like Toast is. It's just all, it's always going to be good. It's just people are like, ooh, what are those new cards? Ooh, what is this brew? What can I do with this mm-hmm. guy here? Yada, yada, yada. That, that is what I think is happening. I think it's. I think Toast has just been very thoroughly established as like a powerhouse of a deck. And everyone was like, okay, like I want to see what else is going on Yeah, that here. makes sense. And, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask the same thing about the Weavers too, because outside of that Turbo Fog br- kind of brew that I played against, I've literally never seen the Weavers at a table. I, I know the Weavers have the Turbo know if it's Fog just... build, and I know they have the super heavy uh, combo build like this one is. I don't really think there's an mm-hmm. in-between because the two strategies don't mix well together. They focus on different aspects of the Weavers. Yeah. But uh, very very similar to what uh, Dave said about the Tryhards is is it's that, that community is very novel. They, they, like, they like to create 
new things and for something that's been a a known variable for years it, it's just not appealing to them to to play and, and test out there's nothing new in this territory yeah that makes sense that totally makes sense i think all because it's not like the, the other... weavers are our only combo option there's plenty of combos to explore the other problem with weavers is that they they have a very definitive haste problem yes where in order to get your to get your combo online you need to have a creature that untaps lands like stick around for a turn mm -hmm. and at this point weavers has such a prolific reputation yeah that as soon as you play any of them it's going to eat a bolt yeah or murder or go for the throat like it's it's really really hard to combo through three people's worth of interaction and that turns a lot of people off to the deck i feel like someone uh, on twitter said the same or said something similar we got to talking about it and i don't even know how the weavers got brought up in the conversation but it might have been papa popper that said our removal's really good right now so nobody plays the weavers and that's kind of what you were just sort right. of hinting at yeah that's that's part of and like there's there's clever ways you can get around that like you can there's there's a couple really interesting haste enablers like i think that crashing drawbridge is uh, an absolutely must have card in the weavers deck right now sure because it blocks and then it enables the comp yeah <laughs> like uh it's really good uh the other one you know uh uh Liam mentioned that trinket mage Leon mentioned that Yalaran wrote in the primer that trinket mage is for tutoring up life spark spellbomb the spellbomb is a really fascinating alternative to the land on tapper mm -hmm. combo piece because if you if you have a land that taps for like 3 mana you can just turn it into a creature with a life spark spellbomb and then you put freed from the real directly onto your land. <laughs> and like that that dodges the haste problem and you don't have to involve any land on tappers at all. You just put freed from the real onto your forest. Yeah. And that's your infinite mana. So like that's there are there are clever and interesting ways that you can get around the haste problem. But I think it's still like even even with the life strike spell bomb like when you do that and then you put freed from the real on the stack, like now your forest is eating the goat for the throat and like right, you lose right. all of that and the freed from the real that's on the stack and all of your land auras. Like there's a lot of vulnerabilities that the deck has to like work very hard to protect. And it can, it, it has enough protection pieces to fight through that from one person, but not from three. Yeah. That and totally the, the makes format sense. Is so removal and control heavy right now. Yeah, so, yeah, that's... it's a it's in a, it's a tough spot. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think I I think this particular build, uh, Gator Bait and Aaron's build of Gut Leader, has like I don't want to say it's a problem, but is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Where as a commander, forget the background, Gut as a commander sort of went I don't want to say ignored, but un well, very underplayed for I don't know eight months, ten months, maybe a year. And then, like, within the last few months of this year, it's just sort of, like, everyone discovered, you know, gut and inspiring leader, and it just exploded. Like, there was a few people that played it throughout all of last year or since, you know, Commander Legends came out. But I think it's got the opposite problem of it's not quite solved yet, and it's anti-combo, and it's fast, and it's enjoyable, like there's still a lot of discovery to be made within the deck. And I think that's what's very, what, what intrigues a lot of people about it particularly. Cause I know I'm a, yeah. I'm a fan. So. Yeah. I, right at the start of the 
people getting really enthusiastically excited about gut craze. I built Amber plus veteran soldier, Yes, like you did. right around the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I, Yeah, that I have was this. almost right about the same exact time. Yep. Yeah. So like I, I sort of already have the Boros flavored, you know, red creature, white background, berserk tier aggro, like yeet the creatures. Like I, I built a slightly different version of that, which I think is more entertaining It than was gut. wildly entertaining for the for the four turns I was alive. It was <laughs> wildly entertaining. And I was and I was playing Gut Leader, my version of Gut Leader in in Uh, that oh game yeah, too. yeah, Yeah. I remember that game. I mog bombered you. Oh, That so was so hard. Yep. That was rude of me. I think I'm still dying. I have Like <laughs> I have regrets. Uh but yeah, I I have that deck. So like I never got on the the gut train. Like I sort of watched it pass by. Like I waved to it from from Amber, but Yeah. I like I never got on the train. Ships passing in the night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun deck. My my tokens, my go wide goblin tokens or whatever I was trying to do was not great. It it wasn't even that fun because it was so kind of bad. Like <laughs> sure it made skeletons and then you like made a bunch of tokens for no reason and they didn't do a whole lot, so I don't know. This is way better. Obviously, the, the tournament-ready CPDH version is way better, but I think there's a lot of room to explore in this particular gut with inspiring leader combination. It doesn't have to be completely unplayable jank, and it doesn't have to be high-tuned, high-octane, optimized CPDH level either. That feels like a really good analysis of it, yeah. I, I was just talking with someone on the, the home base that I, like a couple months ago, I discovered the, the card Sokenzen Smelter from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which is a two-mana goblin that lets you, at the start of combat, pay one mana and sacrifice an artifact to create a 3-1 construct with haste. And I got really excited about that card, and I spent hours building a deck. And then I was like, that's just gut, but way worse. <laughs> and then Uh-huh. I, I abandoned all of that work, and I just scrapped the whole project. And I was like, well, that... Yep. Yeah, for some reason, I was really excited to do it with a two-mana 2-2 two -two goblin. But when I realized I could do it with a much, much, much better three-mana 2-2 two -two goblin, I was like, no. no, <laughs> let's just That's been done. let's do it the right way. Cool. Well, I think these were some good decks. We definitely don't uh, dip our toe too much into the competitive realm, so... Uh, it was a good time. It was a good exposure, good experience. And uh, I've been towing the line of, you know, waffling back and forth whether or not I should rebuild my, my gut list. And I probably will. I'll probably rebuild it uh, in between the the junk I had before and the, the juice that I have on this episode. If I end up playing in the tournament, it'll probably be something. Pro it, it might actually be this deck just because it'll be, if even if I lose, I don't play it well. Even if I lose, it'll be fast. So I'm not like sitting there for an hour and a half and then I get a 10 minute break and I have to go to round two and then I get a 10 minute break in round three. Like I'd rather <laughs> my part of the game be over in 40 minutes or an hour, <laughs> win or lose. LGS pauper tournaments on Saturdays, I, I would take burn or a blitz deck or what have you. I think I took tortured existence once and it was like going to time every round and Ugh, it was it was too much. It was too much. So I just like to play fast decks at tournaments. I don't even like scope out the meta. I'm just like, yep, it's a blitz day. Let's go sling some spells. <laughs> <laughs>
Like most of the time Perfect. I would rather just hang out with people and talk and hope some popper games break out. That that's actually super relatable. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's all we got for this old three by three partners. What do you think? Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh I am good. I feel like we've we've covered this very thoroughly. I've there's nothing else I need to say. Yeah, and since we are sort of covering other decks in virtually uncharted territory for this particular podcast. If there's something we missed about these decks or about the CPDH, you know, involvement of these decks or what have you, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Discord, wink, wink, Patreon, get in there, (laughs) (laughs) throw us some messages. Um, But yeah, I think that's about it. So we're just going to hit a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. If you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. Head on over to the PDH Homebase's website or their Discord server. Uh, You can find Liam finally back in the States on Twitter at Popper Command, and I am at Popper underscore B. And you can always find Dave as the Alcadron everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And as episode 46 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, swing your partner's do do and we'll see you in a week. Peace. Cheers. See you. I brought proper text at the party. Text at the party.